Welcome to the EcoBot Podcast, where we dive into what matters most for 21st century wetland scientists. And let's continue in our journey in respect to the convergence of technology and wetland science. I'm your host, Jeremy Shavey, and on today's episode, we'll hear from our panel from episode 13, Doug Morgenthaler from Esri, and four scientists from Holloway Environmental, Kelly Gonzalez-Brezovar, Ali Altimus, Casey Clark, and Christopher Garza, and let them answer questions about technologies from other scientists in the field. Let's get right into the heart of the questions. You know, again, a lot of people are going to be migrating over from collector to field maps in the next year or two. And, uh, you know, because essentially it's replacing that. And how do you feel like GIS and field teams, Doug, will will be able to capture the, the magic behind field maps? You know, based on partly what you're seeing with these guys' workflow too. You know, I know you and I talked about it from a kind of a high level. I've talked about it with Jeff a lot as well, but thinking about, okay, like here's the actual workflow. Um, how do you, how do you see field maps potentially playing into that, uh, into that arena? That's a great, great point, Jeremy. I think, you know, one of the things with field maps that we really see is, is being able, of course, to, to get more, be more efficient in the workflows that people are already doing and being successful with, with collector or, or other apps. Um, but also I think, you know, because, uh, right now, we do offer opportunities for integration with other apps. Um, so thinking about that broader workflow, how does someone quickly move from uh, EcoBot into doing tests that are appropriate for field maps and back and, and being able to share that information uh, easily, I think is a, is a real opportunity uh, for us moving forward. And, and of course, the, the, there's the sort of the, the strengths of each um, that we can capitalize on by doing so. So that's, that's one of the things that really uh, stands out to me as an opportunity this year. Yeah, that's great. Well, I definitely look forward to having that conversation with our development team and your development team. So more to come, folks. Pretty excited about that. So I want to switch over to a little bit more on the functionality side. Uh, my, my friend Adam Gailey is asking about R2-D2 versus uh, the R1 and uh, wondering how, uh, I guess this probably be directed to Chris, you know, in terms of how did you decide between the two in terms of accuracy, where you're seeing that accuracy loss mostly because of tree cover um, and valley bottoms, et cetera. And so just does the R2 perform better in those areas? So Chris, do you want to take that question? Yeah, I'll take that for sure. Um, so, we did see issues with tree canopies with the R1, and you'll see it with the R2 as well, but we have far, far higher accuracy with the R2. Um, and there's actually multiple options as far as what you're connected to with the R2 uh, with satellites. And um, so there's options like VRS. I'm not sure exactly what that stands for, but <laughs> If you have the VRS connection, you can have really high accuracy. Uh, Casey was talking about how when you connect with a hotspot, we would see accuracy within inches. And you can do that if you have issues with tree canopy as well. And so potentially, you know, if you have a loss of accuracy uh, because of tree canopy, you can connect to VRS and see an improvement to the accuracy, which has been uh, really handy for us. Yeah, and I'll say from my own personal experience, uh, you know, I use the R1 in 
heavy tree coverage here in the Southern Appalachian Mountains, mostly in the winter. I'd still get pretty good coverage in the summer, but what I'm doing is basically in that utilization is like T and E based. And so I just need, you know, a generalized polygon. So kind of as a derivative of that question, uh, Wendy Armstrong has asked a question here about how do you verify if your area has adequate satellite coverage? So I might speak to that initially and then turn that back over to you either Chris or Casey, um, you know, for, you know, but from my understanding, like I look at my paired app, how is the, the hardware, the GNSS receiver as it's paired to, well, I'm using my phone on an iPad, there's an indicator in there, a qualitative indicator of how many satellites you're getting reception from and whether you have uh, access to a uh, to one of the SBAS bases or something like that. But Chris, Casey, you guys wanna take that question as well? You can uh, take that on. So in, in Terraflex, it'll show you whether or not you're connected to satellites and it'll show you exactly what your accuracy is in meters or in inches or centimeters. So it's pretty easy to tell right there on the map view. Yeah, great. Okay, so some, so Jim Lamb is asking about, you can collect points and polygons, et cetera, uh, in addition to vegetation, hydrology, and soils in Ecobot. Um, and so he's asking why you're also using Terraflex. So I might take that initially and then turn it over to you guys as well, whoever on your team wants to take that from Holloway. Right now, the, the mapping functionality in Ecobot was based as an initial segue to build a bridge with, uh, with Collector. And so it's basically just a base map file. You've got, a, you've got a really nice aerial image that's downloadable so that you can record data offline and be able to map some of your, uh, you can map all your wetland units and see where your wetland plant points are. Etc. Um, but where we were going was we wanted to be able to start making that bridge so that we could bring in all the base map files beyond the aerial photography. So whether there's any other uh, polylines or units that you want to import, such as soils or uh, NWI units, parcel boundaries, etc., like those types of things. So I'm imagining that is partly why they're using Terraflex, and that's also why we are strongly pursuing this partnership even deeper with Esri to be able to have that functionality interfolded through the uh, field maps. But uh, who wants to take that from the Holloway team? I can take that. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that when we were first using Ecobot and its mapping capabilities, we were uh, able to map the locations of our, of our samples and we were able to map the, the boundaries of wetlands and I think the reason that a lot of people use Collector and Ecobot simultaneously is because people want to map more than just the wetland location or, you know, the sampling points and the, the boundaries of wetlands. At least for us, we're, we're constantly uh, taking on multiple projects simultaneously. So at the same time that we're doing a wetland delineation, we're doing a threatened and endangered species survey, or, you know, we're collecting ordinary high water marks of, of ponds and streams and things like that. And so, Things like Collector or uh, Terraflex allowed us to map not only, you know, wetlands, but the other types of data that we're collecting while we're in the field. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that we, we, we're, we're still using Ecobot for uh, collecting the, the field data, but we prefer using um, just something with a broader uh, application for collecting other kinds of data besides just wetlands. 
you know, maybe Kelly, could you talk a little bit about the entering of uh, additional text information and such as like the remarks sections for hydrology or vegetation, et cetera. And then can things be done with that in, can you do that in the field or back in the office? Sure. Yeah, we typically do it in the field and then we also do it in the office. So if there's some information that we collect in the field, we just make sure it's consistent within the reports. We also have like a hydrology section within our report to kind of make sure that we're covering all of our bases and making it a clear, um, clear report as much as possible. And on the data forms within Ecobot, that remarks section, uh, we fill that out in the field uh, when possible. And then do you make, you probably make some edits to that back when you get to the, when you get back to the office now too? As needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as needed. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, someone else had also asked, will you be creating U.S. ACE Arid West forms? We have all of the regions in Ecobot. So when you become an Ecobot customer, you get access to all the regions. So wherever you're working in the United States um, or U.S. territories, you'll have coverage for that. Great questions coming in here. Okay, I like this one <laughs> from Paul. Uh, circling back to the poll, he's not a fan. He's under the impression polls were only needed for XYZ data collection. So Casey, besides being a great hiking stick, tell us about why you like using the poll. Uh, well, you don't necessarily have to use the poll. Um, you can mount it like on a backpack or I've heard of people putting it on like a hat situation. Um, there was one time I did actually forget the poll, and so I just carried it around. Um, the poll's kind of nice because you can, it has a really sharp end and you can just shove it into the ground uh, while you're collecting your data and stuff. So your hands free that way. Um, it just, you know, and it's something to like the, the pole is really long, so it gets above you and above your head and it gets um, a little bit better connectivity to the satellites just because it's a little bit closer and has less interference with you and your body or whatever else may be around. So it's just something to get used to. It's a little bit different, but it's it's not been too terribly cumbersome. So we don't mind it too much. I can still think back to times doing teeny and wetlands and streams work out here in the mountains in the Southern Appalachians that where the reception was so bad, I was using my machete as a pole. I'd put my GPS unit on the machete and hold that up. <laughs> I, st I don't know if it actually gave me better coverage, but for the nature of those projects, that was, that was good to go. So we've got one more great question here that I'd like to bring forward. This is also from Wendy. She's looking at maybe doing some adaption, but she has some questions around cell coverage. She gets poor cell coverage in at least half of her sites and doesn't want to tackle uh, pulling in equipment that she could not use. So I think that's a great question to bring up, you know, and so first and foremost, like from the Ecobot side, and I'll let the Holloway team talk about that a little bit too, is that Ecobot functions in the field without having to have any data connection whatsoever. So you can, be out in Timbuktu or the Southern Appalachian Mountains or out in the middle of some mountains out in the arid Southwest or whatever, and you'll still be able to complete your work, including that mapping function. But um, I don't know, Casey or Kelly, do either of you wanna speak to that from, from your all side and also from the perspective of TerraFlex? 
Yeah, so uh, you don't need any sort of data um, connectivity, like cell service or anything to use TerraFlex either. But um, if, if you do have the option to be connected, then your, your accuracy is like really, really close. But typically the core needs it around uh, a meter or so. So as long as you have that connectivity to the satellites, then you're good to go. You don't have to worry about cell service. This might be a question for Chris. Um, Sean Ronan is asking, does Terraflex work with a Geo 7X? No, um, I think the R1 would work with uh, Terraflex. We actually didn't try that combination. Um, part of the reason we have the two paired, the R2 and the DDC 600 is because we, we bought it um, kind of on a deal. There was like a deal in December and so it just made sense for us financially with the with the deal that their our company had going on. So, and with that too, I just wanted to add, um, you can actually download TerraFlex onto any cell phone or device too, so you don't have to have the TDC six hundred. Great, and that there's a one comment in here that says that you can use the Tremble RTX IP or satellite correction with the R one and or R two down to submeter down to two inches on the horizontal. So. You know, just helpful to know for people who are weighing into those options, you know, potentially for this coming field season. Um, the, but one question I have, and this is for the Holloway team, is, you know, in terms of this whole new workflow that you guys have been working with, that you've presented here, what stands out to you most? Like, first thing that comes to mind in terms of what do you love about this new workflow more than anything else? I like the live view aspects. I'm constantly requesting KMZs. Like I want to see it too. And the fact that we can use the live view, it's really great with the pictures too. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I really like having the photos um, already linked up to the points. And so we don't have to label photos anymore because sometimes we have a lot of photos and it's so tedious to go in and it just, is a time suck sometimes. So not having to do that is really nice. I think I like how somebody can be using EcoBot um, and collecting the, the wetland point or the upland point while the other person is using the R2 and the TDC 600 and they're already mapping the, the boundaries of the wetland. Um, so there's that efficiency of, you know, you, you work on this while I go map it. And by the time I've mapped the wetland, they've already done the wetland point and the upland point for that. So that's really helpful. Yeah, no, one of the things that I I have found with it out in the field this last year with is like being able to collect the sample points, collect the wetland units, send it back to the GIS lead back at the office, have them map it while I'm doing the next part of the project. Maybe I'm doing a qualitative assessment or something else now, and I can get a draft version of our project findings while still in the field and potentially, you know, go and knock on a trailer door, or whoever's uh, the site manager for an area and say, hey, look, this is what we're looking at. You want to take a quick walk? Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So, Doug, I want to bring you back in before before we step out here too. you know, like, you know, you're coming in from the de development side of things. But from that perspective, like hearing like how all of these folks are working in the field and uh, uh, what they're doing, like what stands out to you and what excites you most about where we can collaborate and go in the future? 
I, there's, I think there's a lot of really exciting work uh, as evidenced by what the Holloway team's doing. I think it's, it's really, uh, it's really important, obviously, just from a, a global perspective, but for more specifically in terms of how do we improve this as alluded to, there's so many advances where we are now able to capture at accuracy. We never were able to before at times. I also remember, as Ali mentioned, the, yep, got to shut down. Uh, we, we, we don't have enough satellites. And so I think those are opportunities for us, you know, how far we've come in the last five or 10 or 15 years in some of these cases, and it's only accelerating. So I think we're going to see a lot more opportunities to leverage technology to make some of these workflows a lot simpler. Um, and that's what excites me because uh, I know we're all being asked to do more with less these days. So that's, those are great opportunities I'm looking forward to pursuing. Thank you for listening to the Ecobot podcast. If you like what you heard, take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about how Ecobot is helping transform the industry and to see what we can do to help your company, you can find us at www.ecobotapp.com. I'm Jeremy Shafee, and I'll see you next time on the Ecobot podcast.